0: Father, we thank you that you have gathered us here this evening, that you've done it by your grace and you've done it for our joy and for your glory through the finished work of your son. We pray that by your spirit, you might open our eyes and ears uh, to hear and to see the things contained in scripture. Uh, Father, I pray for my friends who are here who, um, who, who maybe aren't sure what they believe, uh, maybe they grew up in the church and, and have been away from the church for a long time and are giving it another shot, or, or, or maybe they, um, they, they, if they're honest, are, are, are struggling and are just trying to figure out what they believe. I, I pray that by your grace, you would meet them where they are, uh, that they would have an encounter with you, Jesus, through your word. We, we believe that this is your word, that, that it's living and that it's active, and so I pray Uh, in my own life and in the lives of my friends, that that you would show that to be true, that your word is alive and it's active and it's good. Um, We pray that you would do all this um, by your grace, through your spirit, for our joy. Amen. Well, in the lead up to D-Day, D-Day is the day that would become infamous in World War II, is the beginning of the Allied invasion of Western Europe, where France was liberated and the Nazis were eventually defeated. Uh, In the lead up to that day, there was a mission given to this group of rangers that was seemingly impossible. There was this cliff about four miles west of Normandy where this big uh, beach landing was going to happen. And at the top of that cliff was uh, a German artillery that was going to kind of rain down on the beaches. And these rangers needed to somehow get up that cliff take out that artillery and then hold that position while the infantry was landed on those beaches. And so there's a picture of the rangers training for this moment. So uh, if you know, things don't look quite as steep in pictures as they are in real life, and that looks really steep in pictures. And so what the rangers had to do was they had to, through, I don't know why it's okay to call what those are ladders, but apparently through ladders and ropes, They were going to scale these cliffs. We've got a second picture, actually, of the cliffs uh, that they climbed on D-Day. So these are the cliffs. The mission was go up there. The Germans are going to be raining uh, machine gun fire down on you. They were throwing grenades down on them. They needed to somehow climb up, and then once they were up, actually lead an assault to take out this German encampment. Now that mission was absolutely impossible. It was seemingly impossible, and and it was so seemingly impossible that the commander of the Rangers, this major at the time. He thought it was such a suicide mission and made his thoughts about the mission known that they actually replaced him. That they relieved him of his command, brought somebody else in. And if you know the story of Point du Hoc, the Rangers were successful. They, they suffered great casualties, but they actually made it up those cliffs, and that was a key victory, a decisive victory on D-Day that would eventually lead to the Nazis being defeated later in 1945. An impossible task was given, orders were followed, and the mission continued because of that. A few weeks ago, we started a series in this letter of Second Timothy, and it's a letter where Paul is giving to Timothy, this young pastor, his spiritual son in the faith, it's a letter where he's giving him a seemingly impossible task. Timothy, what you've seen in me, I want you to carry on, because Paul is about to be put to death. Now, if, if you aren't familiar with what's going on here, that's okay, so to catch you up, Paul, the guy writing the letter, he's in prison for his faith. And he's in prison, and this time he's not going to be released. He's going to be put to death for his faith. Paul knows what he's facing because he has preached over and over and over again allegiance to Christ over and above allegiance to Caesar. So the Roman Empire is in charge at this time. They demand ultimate allegiance to Caesar. Paul preaches allegiance to Christ. The Romans put him in jail, and he'll eventually be killed for his faith. So as he's looking death, as he's looking martyrdom in the eyes, he pens this last letter to Timothy. And in this letter, you, you can feel it, he's passing the torch of ministry on to his son in the faith, to this young man named Timothy, and he's telling him, Timothy, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the chains that I bear. I'm not ashamed of the death that I'm facing. I'm not ashamed of the suffering that Jesus has called me to because Jesus is worth it. And Timothy, I don't want you to be ashamed either. Now, I want you to, if you can, try to put yourself in the shoes of Timothy. Timothy has left the life that he knew to follow after Paul, who's following after Christ. He has laid everything on the line in the name of Jesus. He's suffered a great deal, just like Paul has. And at this moment, he is the pastor of a fairly large, quickly growing church in a city called Ephesus. Now, things in Ephesus weren't great. You can read about it in Acts 19 some other time. Things in the city of Ephesus aren't going uh, incredibly well as we may look at them. There's suffering that's happening that there's persecution, not just outside the church, but inside the church. Those three guys you heard read so well, uh, who I'm not going to try to repeat, these are probably leaders in the church who have left Timothy in the message of Christ and were leading people astray. All that's going on, and I imagine in this, in this moment that Timothy is asking the question, can I really make it? What you're asking me to do, Paul, you're the Apostle Paul. Of course you can do it. I don't know if I can do it. I'm not sure that I'll make it. And maybe he's asking, is it really worth it? He's asking questions that we all feel at some point or another in our walks with Jesus. Is this worth it? Can I really do it? I'm not sure that I'm up to the task. And Paul's whole letter, in a really gracious way, addresses the questions that I'm sure he knows that Timothy has and the doubts and the insecurities that Timothy has. And so he begins this way. Our text this evening, First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, he says, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he, Jesus, is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. The banner over Paul's entire life, And the banner that he's now speaking over Timothy's life and church, the banner that he's speaking over our lives is not you're able, you can make it, you've got it inside of you, just grit and grind. He's saying Jesus is able. Jesus is able to do what you and I and what Paul and Timothy weren't able to do. He's saying, Timothy, when you're not sure if you can make it, when you don't know if it's worth it, when everyone else seems to be bailing, when everyone else is taking the easy way out, when the suffering seems to be too much, when if you're honest, you are ashamed of what you've been called to. Timothy, Jesus is able. Don't forget it. This isn't bootstrap theology. This isn't pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You've got greatness inside your kid, and we just need to see it. That's not what he's doing. He's saying, Timothy, frontline church, Jesus is able to guard what's been entrusted to you. And he's worth it. And so, in light of this and the rest of our text this evening, Paul gives Timothy and he gives us three charges in these verses. So, because Jesus is able, guard the gospel find strength in the gospel, and entrust the gospel to others. So first, guard the gospel. This is the first charge. Because Jesus is able, guard the gospel. Look at verse 13. He says, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. He says, Timothy, guard this deposit that's been given to you. The deposit is the gospel. Gospel really simply means good news. We need to talk about what that is, right? So like before we get to what do I need to be guarding or how do I guard this deposit, we need to know what the deposit is. I don't want to assume that we're all on the same page. And so he tells him, the deposit is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus in your place, Jesus in my place, and Jesus making all things new. He, he's just reminded Timothy of what this gospel is in verse 8. Look, look at this. We talk, Chad talked about this last week. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, through the good news. So what he reminds Timothy of, now think of this, man, he's writing to a pastor, Pastors need the gospel. Friends, you and I, if you're in Christ, you and I need the gospel. If you this morning would say, I I don't follow Jesus, I'm not sure what I believe about all this, you need the gospel, we all need the gospel. And he says, it's the good news of Jesus, that God has saved you through the finished work of Jesus in your place. He has called you to himself, And, and then he says, not by our own works. Like Timothy, church, don't forget You didn't do anything to earn the grace of Jesus. You're not going to do anything to to keep the grace of Jesus. He sets that on you. It's a free gift given by God through Jesus' finished work in your place. On the cross, Jesus absorbs the wrath, the punishment from God that we deserve. The sin that separates us from God is placed on the shoulders of Jesus. Jesus is put to death, but he doesn't doesn't stay dead, which is why Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, Jesus has abolished death. He he has put death itself to death. That's part of the the gospel that Timothy is called to guard. And that's why Paul can say, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the chains that I bear. I'm not ashamed of the death that I'm facing. Rome Rome can kill my body, but Christ himself has abolished death. So what are they going to do to me? He's saying, guard this gospel. And we need to ask, why is he so adamant about it? Because he says it over and over and over in his letters to Timothy. Guard the gospel. Guard the gospel. Guard the gospel. Hold fast to it. Don't lose sight of it. Root yourself in it. Ground yourself in it. Why is he so adamant about it? Because the proclamation of the gospel is the only thing that's going to work. Nothing else is going to work. No amount of self-help. No, no matter how good sermons about living your best life and having a great marriage and having the best kids and having your finances are all in order. Like, no matter how good they are, they're not going to work to change our relationship to God Only the good news of Jesus is. This is why Peter says in Acts 4 in a sermon, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. He's become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. St. Timothy Church, there's no amount of good works that are going to make people right with God. If you're in here this evening thinking, man, I just hope at the end of my life, my good deeds just slightly outweigh my bad deeds. He says, that's not going to work. You're separate from God because of your sin, because of my sin. But the good news of the gospel is that there's salvation by faith through grace in Jesus. Guard that gospel. How do we guard it? He tells us in verse 13, he says, follow the pattern of sound words that you've received from me. So, a, pa- a pattern means there's something that exists that we're to follow, right? We don't have to come up with our own gospel. We don't add to it. We don't take away from it. We guard the gospel by following the pattern of sound words. That means we don't alter it, we don't change it, we don't tweak it. With the pressure of fear and shame, there's a temptation to make the message more acceptable, to make it more palatable to make it fit in line with culture a little bit better, and Paul says, Timothy, don't do it. And then he says, not just follow the pattern of sound words that you receive from me, but do it in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So he's he's like, it's not just enough what you do, it's also how you do it. You need to do it, Timothy, with faith and love, with charity, with kindness, with gentleness. Um... I love asking people about their stories. It's one of my favorite things to do. Like to just, hey, tell tell me your story, you know. I want to know who who you are, what made you who you are. And and as I've engaged with people who both love Jesus and and who don't love Jesus or people who are like, man, I, I love Jesus, but I didn't until I was in my 30s, my 40s. I lived a lot of life without Jesus. I've never once heard anyone say, I came to Jesus through reading an angry Christian spout off on Facebook. They, I just, man, their, their political views about everything that was going on, I read that post and thought, I, I want Jesus. That's what I want. He's saying, Timothy, no, no, no. Do it through faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the gospel, but it's not just what you do, it's how you do it. And then he says, lastly, we guard the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't find strength merely from ourselves the strength we find within ourselves is actually from the holy spirit that dwells within us that's what he's saying you find the strength you guard the gospel by the power of the holy spirit guard the gospel second charge find strength in the gospel find your strength in the gospel he says in second timothy 2 verse 1 you then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in christ jesus this is interesting language, because he tells him to do something that this isn't like an active thing. He's telling him to do Timothy follow these three, do these three things, and it's all going to work out. okay. will come. He says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, another way you could have said this is become strong. And it's not like, the way that the language is, is he's not talking about this moment in time where Timothy's feeling fear and he's feeling ashamed and he's saying, Timothy, in this moment in time, you need to find strength in the grace that is in Jesus. He's saying, in this moment and the next moment and in every moment to come, continue to be made strong in the grace of Jesus. Keep on being strengthened, not from inside yourself. This, again, this is not bootstrap theology. It's not, Timothy, stop being so afraid. Stop being so ashamed. You've got it inside yourself. The reason that I brought you, Timothy, the reason that I made you the pastor of that church in Ephesus is because I saw something in you. You had potential. You're going to go far, kid. You're going to be great, kid. That's not what he's saying. The call to be strengthened isn't a call to grit and to grind and to get after it. It's a call to be, strengthened, to, be, to be strengthened with the grace of Jesus. When you aren't sure of yourself, when maybe you say, man, I, like, I don't know how many cam- conversations I've got to have with my neighbors. They're not responding to this gospel. I'm not sure if I've got it in me to stay faithful to this course Maybe you've got, man, maybe you're like, my family is so far from Jesus and I've done everything that I can to share the hope that's in me and they're not responding. I don't know if I have it in me. Paul would say, you don't have it in you. But Jesus does. Find your strength in the grace that is in Jesus. The charge to Timothy to be inwardly strengthened is by the means of the grace that is in Jesus remember again the banner over these three charges from paul is he is able jesus is able so maybe you're here and you're like man i like i i just feel weak i don't feel strong i don't feel like i'm being strengthened by the grace that's in jesus i got all kinds of weaknesses You should hear me try to have a conversation with my neighbor who doesn't love Jesus. It's a mess. Why would anyone want to follow Jesus after I blabber about who knows what? Maybe you're like, man, in this season, I've been gritting and I've been grinding and I've been trying to hang on, but I'm afraid that this is the week that I'm going to lose my grip on reality. (laughs) That I just don't know how I'm going to make it through this. You're not alone. Your pastors here, we've, we've felt that. Timothy's felt it. It's one of the reasons Paul's writing this letter. Paul himself felt that. He says this in 2 Corinthians 12. He had this weakness, we're not sure what it is, but he asked that Jesus would take it away from him. And, and I can imagine, I, we don't know the exact situation, but I can imagine Paul thinking, if I didn't have this weakness, I would be more effective for the cause of Christ. He's asking Jesus, would you take it away? And Jesus' answer is, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. So here's Paul's response. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then, I'm content with weaknesses, with insults, with hardships, with persecutions and calamities for when I am weak, then I am strong. What do you do to a guy like that? Right? Like Paul says elsewhere, for me to live uh, is, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Right? So he's like, man, for me to live means I get to keep sharing the gospel. For me to die it's gain. What did the Romans do to a guy like this? We're going to put you to death. He's like, well, die is gain. Okay, we're going to let you out of prison. Great. For me to live is Christ. I get to go tell people to worship Christ rather than Caesar. This is his attitude and it's not. Timothy, find strength from within yourself. Grit, grind, be an example of hard work. Just get after it. Work harder. Do more. Be stronger. He's saying, Timothy, your weakness is exactly where Jesus wants to meet you and put his strength on display. His power is made perfect in weakness. Friends, bring your weakness, your insecurity, your doubt, your inability, bring it all to Jesus. And ask him, Jesus, would you make your strength known in my weakness? Church, guard the gospel, find strength in the gospel, third and last, entrust trust the gospel to others. He says in verse two of chapter two, what you've heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I kind of wonder if Paul isn't anticipating uh, us veering off course with this command to guard the gospel when he says, no, 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 I want you to entrust the gospel to others. Because if you think about guarding something, Right? It's like Gollum with his precious. You know, This is my precious, and I'm going to hold it over here, and I don't want anyone to get it. So you think about guarding, it, it's like, I'm going to hold on to this. I don't want to let anyone take it. He's not saying that. He's like, no, 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 guard the gospel, find strength in the gospel, and then don't hoard it. Entrust it to others. One commentator says the transmission of Christian truth must never be left to chance. The great truth we know from the Bible is that God... Uh, grants faith, draws men and women to faith in himself, gives us the grace, gives us the faith to respond to his grace. And the same sovereign God in a mysterious way has ordained that it would be through the prayers and the gospel proclamation of his people and kingdom demonstration that he's gonna draw people to faith in the gospel. So Paul says, Timothy, I'm about to lay down my life for the sake of Christ as you pick up this torch, Timothy, keep entrusting it to other people. What you've heard from me, find faithful men and women who are going to be able to teach others as well. And here's our confidence. It's going to work. It's going to work. The Rangers on D-Day, as they're facing those cliffs, they don't know if it's going to work. And I imagine in their minds, it's like, if this doesn't work, maybe the beach landing doesn't work. And if this landing doesn't work and they're not able to take that beach, who knows if we're going to be able to actually defeat the Nazis. Friends, you and I in Christ, we don't have to wonder, is this going to work? It's going to work because Jesus promised it would. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell aren't going to be able to stand against it. Just think about the pattern, right? Jesus comes, God in the flesh, he comes and he identifies, he trains, he develops, he equips, and then he releases the apostles to spread the good news of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. And then the, through this same propagation of the gospel, Paul eventually responds to the gospel, and then Timothy responds to the gospel, and then he heeds this call to entrust the gospel to others, And it happens over and over and over again, over a couple thousand years, where a couple thousand years later, here you and I are recipients of the good news of Jesus, because people have been guarding the gospel, finding strength in the gospel, and entrusting it to others. Um, I love history. I, I, I love to study history, and so I'm fascinated by the Roman Empire and kind of what led to their downfall. But the Roman Empire was the greatest empire that the world has ever known. And what's really fascinating to me is right now, if COVID wasn't maybe a thing, you you could get on a plane and you can fly over to Italy and you can walk the ruins of the empire of Rome. You can go into the Colosseum where countless Christians were put to death for their faith. You can walk around the ruins of this once great empire this empire that Christians would have felt, are we really going to make it? How is the message of Christ going to stand against Caesar and the empire of Rome? The good news, the good news, the empire of Rome, that's done away with. Empires come and go, but the consistent message of the gospel in the church of Jesus Christ continues to grow and to grow and to grow. It survived the Roman Empire. It survived persecution, it survived suffering, it survived the dark ages, it'll survive this pandemic, it'll survive 2020, and the gospel will continue to carry on and trust this gospel to others. We'll end with this quote from John Stott. He says this, there's great encouragement here. Ultimately, it is God himself who is the guarantor of the the gospel It is his responsibility to preserve it. We may see the evangelical faith, the faith of the gospel everywhere spoken against and the apostolic message of the New Testament ridiculed. We may have to watch an increasing apostasy in the church. People bail on Jesus and the message of the gospel. As our generation abandons the faith of its fathers, do not be afraid. God will never allow the light of his gospel to find to be finally extinguished. True, he has committed it to us, frail, infallible creatures. He's placed his treasure in brittle earthenware vessels, and we must play our part in guarding and defending the truth. Nevertheless, in entrusting the de- the deposit to our hands, he has not taken his own hands off it. He is himself its final guardian and he will preserve the truth which he has committed to the church. We know this because we know him in whom we have trusted and continued to trust. Family, guard the gospel, find strength in the gospel and entrust the gospel to others. I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what's been entrusted to me. Father, I pray that by Your grace, we would not leave this place thinking that we can do it. We wouldn't leave this place with a checklist of ways that we need to get after it and what we need to do, I pray that we would leave this place with confidence, with, with surety, Jesus, that you are able to do what we're not able to do, that you're able to guard your gospel, that you're able to strengthen us through your gospel, and that you're able, by the power of the Spirit, to empower us to entrust the gospel to others. We leave this place in your strength, not our own. We become today with our weaknesses, with our shortcomings, with all of that, and beg you by your grace, would you strengthen us with your grace, not just now, but in moment after moment after moment. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.